God bless you all. You may be seated. Well, it's hard to believe the last day of the year. I think the older you get, the faster it goes. Anybody else feel that way? Just flies by, but uh, yesterday I read Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and I was greatly, in, in fact, read Revelation 21 and 22 sometime. And I read that and I thought, this is where we're headed. This is how it's going to wind up. Even so, Lord, come quickly. You, How many is ready? How many is ready? Now, if you're not, we expect you to come forward after service. And we'll be in prayer for you. But uh, we're delighted to be here on the 31st of December 2023, a new year ahead of us. How exciting. And uh, I want to say it's a joy to have my family with me today. They have come. And uh, so thank you, family, for being with us here this morning. And uh, my youngest son, most of you know, Matthew, who is now the pastor of Legacy Church in uh, Ukiah, California. So it's good to have Pastor Engel. <laughs> in service with us this morning. Amen. Lord is good. Glory. And again, along with Pastor Brandon, let me encourage you to continue to be in prayer for our pastors while he is away on sabbatical. Uh, it is important. You know, uh, I was sharing with, I think it was Barbara before service, and we were talking about rest. Rest is a spiritual discipline. Rest is a command of God. And I've always said God gets no glory out of burnout, and he gets no glory out of rust out. And I've said you got to come apart before you come apart. And so our pastor is in a much-needed sabbatical time of way to be renewed. And if you read the Gospels, Jesus himself came away many times and uh, just got away from the crowds and got alone with the Lord. And so we're excited for Pastor. And as Pastor Brandon said, he comes back fired up. And we're going to see God do great things here at Christ Point this next year. Amen? Well, on that note, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we're going to minister on the thought this morning, the call to Canaan. The call to Canaan. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, if you want to follow along. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, oh wait a minute, that's chapter 2. Let me go back to chapter 1. I thought that was, all right, here we go. Chapter 1, there we go. Now I'm in the right place. It's important that I be in the right place. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. I want to underscore verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. 
I want to minister again on the thought, the call to Canaan. Just as God called Israel to possess their promised inheritance, how many this morning know that God has given us an inheritance? Amen. And God has called us to possess our promised inheritance. The promised inheritance for Israel was Canaan's land. And it was first given to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. If you have that, would you get that up there? Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. Look at what it says. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, Walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. I had the privilege of standing in that spot when I went to Israel many years ago on top of the mount. And you really can look out and see the whole valley, that whole area. And I thought, what an amazing thing that God promised Moses. And even though he couldn't go in, God allowed him to see the whole land. He said in Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, God told Joshua the same thing. He said, for I give it to you. Understand, Canaan is not a type of heaven. We don't camp in Canaan's land like the old song used to sing. In fact, we're called the conquer in Canaan's land. Note, Canaan was a place of conquest through conflict. Canaan was where Israel had to finally fight. Israel did not fight in the wilderness. They wandered in the wilderness. But when they entered the promised land, note, that's when they had to fight. In Canaan, the enemy had to be confronted and defeated. Israel had to fight. Now, it was possible that Israel could lose her place in Canaan's land if she didn't fight. And eventually she did because of her compromises. So, how does Canaan's land relate to us today as Christians? What does Canaan, the promised land, typify to the Christian believer today? What is our promised inheritance? Note. It was only after Israel entered Canaan, the promised land, that she became the real army of the Lord. I want you to know this morning, we are the army of the Lord today. 
Ephesians chapter 6 describes our armor, and you are acquainted with that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, describes the battle. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds or demolishing fortresses in our life. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is full. The call has gone forth to rise up and take the land. And spiritually speaking, that land already belongs to us. It is our inheritance. It is our promised land. And so this morning, I want us to look at the idea of Canaan's land, what it meant then and what it means to us now spiritually. First of all, the significance of Canaan. When it comes to the significance of Canaan, I want us to notice the difference between Moses and Joshua, because this is where we begin. Note, Moses led Israel to Canaan. It was Joshua who led Israel into Canaan. Moses was not allowed into Canaan. Joshua is the one who settled Israel in Canaan. Moses prepared Israel to enter, but it was Joshua who actually led them to victory in Canaan. Moses viewed Canaan, Joshua apportioned Canaan to Israel. May I say this morning, Moses represents the law. The law was good. You bet it was good because it came from God. The law was good. The law was not negative. The law revealed the holiness and standard of God. In fact, the law, with all its principles, revealed to us what real righteousness is. But note, we could not enter the promised land, as it were, through the law. We were incapable. Moses represents the law. But Joshua, which is the Hebrew, the same name as Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus, Joshua represents Jesus, and it is Jesus who truly leads us into the land of promise and into true righteousness. What the law couldn't do, Jesus did. The law was good, but it was not sufficient. The law pointed to a better that was to come. And that better that was to come was Jesus Christ. You and I live in Canaan's land because of Jesus. Glory. So the idea then, the story of victory, the story began 400 years earlier with Israel in bondage in Egypt. And God miraculously delivered Israel from Egypt. And we know the story well. And God displayed his power and manifested his glory before Israel and Egypt. And he brought an empire 
to its knees. That's the God we serve. He has not changed. He is still the everlasting God. He still rules and reigns forever. Empires and nations and kingdoms have come and gone. But God remains. You and I are associated with that eternal kingdom in Jesus Christ. God brings them to the promised land. He brings them to the promised land the first time, but we know what happens, don't we? It was because of unbelief they were kept from entering. The failure of unbelief keeps us from entering. The failure of unbelief keeps us from overcoming. The failure of unbelief keeps us from occupying the promised land or our inheritance that God has for us. But under Joshua, there was victory. There was a mighty move of the people of God. A mighty military campaign by the people of God. A mighty conquest took place against all odds. In fact, as you read, there were at least somewhere around 34 kings and magistrates were defeated by the nation of Israel against impossible odds. But how many knows we serve a God this morning that knows no odds? In the natural, it may look impossible. But I love what he said through Jeremiah the prophet. Hear this this morning. He said, I am the God of all flesh, and there is nothing too difficult for me. I don't know what you have faced in 2023, and we certainly don't know what we may face in 2024. But the Lord would have you know, I am the God of all flesh, and there is nothing too difficult for me. God is still the same God as he was then. And everyone sitting here this morning has received promises from God. Everyone here has a Canaan's land to move into and possess. And so a great military campaign was waged by the people of God. We're not called to camp. We're called to wage war. And the glorious thing is the war has already been won. We just go through the motions. A mighty subjection of the enemy was established by the people of God. It's God's desire this morning that we enter, overcome, and occupy the land. So the story of spiritual reality then in relation to Canaan, look at Hebrews chapter 3. Look at a couple of scriptures from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What rebellion? In the day of trial in the wilderness, when the people refused to go in because of their unbelief, God called that rebellion. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me tried me and saw my works 40 years. Now note, that's important. 
40 years, they had witnessed the miraculous provision of God in the wilderness. And when it came time to cross, they forgot and rejected all that God had done for them before. May I say, looking back on 2023, yeah, there were difficulties, there were challenges. But may I say, we can look back and see the provision and care of Almighty God, can't we? Verse 10. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So the idea here is they shall not enter my rest. And we're going to look at what that idea of rest means. So the story of spiritual reality is this. Canaan represents the believer's relationship in Jesus Christ. Canaan, you might say, represents our spiritual Sabbath that we have entered into in Christ Jesus. No, rest. What do we mean by rest? Where we cease from our own works and efforts and trust completely in him. May I say there are no brownie points in this system. Jesus won all the brownie points on the cross. You and I simply live and appropriate all that God has already provided. The church is filled with Christians who are frustrated and stressed. Why? They haven't ceased from their labors. Jesus did the work. Jesus did the labor. Jesus accomplished it all. Say, well, Brother Engel, what about our idea of working in righteousness? But we don't work in our own strength. We work in the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit who in our life glorifies Christ. It's a lot of people who are restless, stressed, and tired spiritually in the church. Note, Canaan is where we enter into the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Canaan is the believer's rest, and that is part of the fullness in Christ. Canaan is the breath, length, depth, and height of spiritual life in which we finally possess, not just profess our inheritance of Christ Jesus, but we are currently experiencing it. The tragedy that the majority of Christians today is they live far below what God has already provided for them as far as their inheritance. They have not moved in. It's like being gifted with a beautiful house. It's there. It's lovely. It's furnished. But the problem is, we ain't moved in yet. But it's a nice house. And it looks good. We like to look at it. and We talk about it. Isn't that beautiful? But we haven't moved in. It's there. (laughs) 
the gift is there by God for us to move in and appreciate. Listen to the words of J. Sidlow Baxter. I love this. He said, the, uh, I think you have that. Uh, the Christian life is no more meant to be a wilderness than a wedding feast is meant to be a time for sackcloth and ashes. Wow. God has prepared. I want us to hear this this morning because we're getting ready to move into a new year. And I don't care what's swirling around us in our world today. And boy, it's been a dark world. And things are only going to get worse externally in our environment. But you know what? God doesn't pay too much attention to the environment. Even in the midst of turmoil. Even in the midst of chaos. There is victory. (laughs) There is joy. There is peace. God accomplishes his purpose through his people still. God has prepared and opened for us spiritually a land flowing with milk and honey, fragrant and fruitful. And I believe that this coming year can be your most productive and fruitful and blessed year you have yet experienced, no matter what's happening in our world. Why? Because we're not tethered to this world. Our foot is in the kingdom of God and it's eternal we have one foot here and one foot in eternity glory that doesn't mean we're half dead usually when we hear that it's got one foot here and one foot that person about right no that's talking about where we live we are we may be citizens here of this country but even more so we are citizens of an eternal kingdom that's far more powerful and everlasting ch spurgeon said this There is a point of grace as much above the ordinary Christian as the ordinary Christian is above the world. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for less than what God has for me. I don't want to live on a lower plane. God has infinitely more than what I can experience right now in the present. So I want to challenge us this morning with the idea, move in and take the land that God has already given you. Glory. Well, what are the characteristics of Canaan? Well, first of all, it is a place of rest. A place of rest. Note, Israel's wandering in the wilderness finally gave place to settling into the promised land that God had given them. How many Christians today are still wandering and they have not settled in? They have not experienced the fulfillment of what God has given them. Note, the contrast of the wilderness and the promised land. Uh, it's, no, it's not God's will we wander in the wilderness. Amen? It's not God's will that we wander in the wilderness. Note the contrast of the wilderness and the promised land. No more blistered feet. 
No more tired bodies, rugged wasteland, tired hands, exhausted and stressed. So now God has prepared for you and I a place of rest and refreshing where everyone can sit down under their vine and under his fig tree. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. Verses 3, and I expanded it to verse 9. So, no, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Verse 9, for I will look on you favorably, make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. God wants you to claim that now. Israel failed. We're not called to do it on our own. Everything that Leviticus just talked about, Christ has already done. So what does that mean, Pastor Engel? That means we appropriate all that he has for us. We simply move in and experience the victory and the joy and the fruitfulness that God has already established. Aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning? The land, the cities, everything was all ready for them. They didn't have to plant. They didn't have to dig. They didn't have to plow. God already had it for them. Vineyards, cities, orchards were already there. They just moved in and took it over. We're busy digging, plowing, planting, everything. But if you read John chapter 15 again, you'll see that Jesus is the vine. We are the branches and he brings the produce. By being connected to the vine, we receive the sap of life and we are fruitful. Glory. We are so caught up with what we have to do when in reality, God has already prepared it all. It's just ours for the taking, appropriating what God already has for us by faith. Canaan was also a place of bounty. Not only a place of rest, but a place of bounty. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. 
11 rather. Deuteronomy 11 verses 10 through 12. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt which you have come where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord, your God, cares. The eyes of the Lord, your God, are always on it from the beginning. I like this. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Where God wants to move you this morning, spiritually speaking, is a land that he has complete control over. And what times in your life, as you've experienced this past year, which may seem a little chaotic or out of control, understand God is in control. His eyes are over your land. He is involved. He is at work behind the scenes. God, oh, hear this this morning. God wants to not only call you to Canaan, He wants you to experience Canaan. God is not only saying have peace, God wants you to experience His peace. God wants you to experience His joy. God wants you to experience His fullness. It's time to move into our inheritance. It's time to move into the land. It's time to possess everything we've professed. In. How are you doing this morning? Well, I'm fine under the circumstances. What are you doing under there? I think you get the point. It's a place of bounty. It was fruitful and productive. It was under the constant watchful gaze and care of God. You know, our Christian life is not based on feelings. Let me get that, make that very clear right now, we Pentecostals. It's not feelings that move us. If it were based on feelings, we'd have a very shallow, inconsistent spiritual life. It's based on what we know. The Word of God. Amen? (laughs) I was sharing with Pastor Brandon this morning. He had mentioned there's been some Sundays, even as a pastor, I didn't feel like getting up. My wife would say, for now, you have to get up. You're the pastor. It's called faith. Living a life of faith, not based on whether I feel like it or not. But the fact is, God is there. The land is fruitful. The land is blessed. And we are to move in. No, it is a place of rest. It is a place of bounty. 
it is a place of victory. No, in Canaan's land, there are real enemies. When Israel moved into Canaan's land, the first thing they faced was the walls of Jericho. They had to fight. But you've heard me say before, a good fight is a fixed fight. Especially if you're the winner. May I say this morning, yes, it is a land where there are real enemies and we are expected to fight. But I tell you this morning, for over 2,000 years, the fight has been fixed. They still had to go through the motions. That's why they didn't have to follow the logical plans of warfare. (laughs) That's why they could do illogical things like march around the walls for seven days silently. And then on the last day, shout, blow the trumpets and watch God perform. Wow. Glory. I want to assure you there's going to be times coming this next year that God may call you to do something illogical. But the most logical thing you can do is trust an illogical God for when you do so in the natural, that is when you'll see his glory. That is when you'll experience his power. That's when he'll manifest himself. It may not make sense. you, You may not understand it, but God's not interested in your feelings. He's interested in obedience. Trust me. Oh, it's easy to sing about it in our worship service. But it's another thing to actually experience it in our life when things aren't going our way. It is a place of victory. There are enemies there, but they're already defeated. God not only called Israel to war, but he called them to assure victory. Assured victory. We are assured victory. Why? Paul said, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So our Canaan land hinges on consecration and appropriation, taking by faith what God has already provided. So then the meaning of Canaan, last of all, the meaning of Canaan is heavenly places in Christ. Here is where we possess our possession in him. I said a moment ago, here is where we actually possess what we profess. A lot of people professing what they don't, aren't really possessing. But God wants us to possess what we actually profess. Here is where we experience rest in Christ Jesus. How is it that it can be God's will that we're in turmoil and upset and stressed out and just, but Brother Ingo, you don't know the circumstances and God doesn't? Well, that's too convicting. Let's move on. Here is where we enjoy the fullness of Jesus in his peace and joy. He gave his disciples a very valid promise in John 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. Woo-hoo, glory. 
wake up in the morning singing something bad is going to happen today. No. Jesus is basically saying you're going to have all kinds of trouble and tribulations. It goes with the territory. But thank goodness he didn't stop there. He said, but (laughs) be of good cheer. Huh? Be of good. Wait a minute. You just said my life is going to be full of troubles. And now you're saying be of good cheer. Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. I have already gone before you and I've gained the victory. Be of good cheer. I told someone this morning over the phone, I said, God never promised us immunity. He promised us companionship. Glory. So, here is where we experience his fullness and joy. It is intimate union with Christ. A union of life, will, with Christ. Our will is one with him. Philippians 2, 5 says, Have this mind which was in Christ Jesus. Is that possible? It wouldn't be in the scripture if it weren't possible. What does that mean? Have the same attitude that Jesus had. What does Jesus look like in the gospel? You talk about opposition. Talk about trial. Talk about (laughs) the idea of no favor, the idea of accusation. No one experienced it like Jesus did, but look at him. He's at peace. In fact, may I say, he's even at joy. He's in control. His environment was not controlling him. He was in complete control. uh, Can I tell you this morning? That's exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to experience Jesus in reality. In a sense to become Jesus in your life and in your world. The world needs to see and experience Jesus through us. Wow. It is a union of nature, relationships, and purposes of Christ. It is a union of death from sin, the flesh, the world, and the devil. It is a union of service, suffering, and desire. It is a union of resurrection, fellowship, and power. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection glory and in the fellowship of his suffering. We want the first part of the verse. Not too many people are hepped up about the second part of the verse. The fellowship of his suffering. But do you have the power of the resurrection? No, you got to have both if you're going to be completely identified with Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed with all spiritual blessings. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Look at this. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in... Note that. He chose you. You didn't choose him. Yeah, in a sense you chose him, but before you chose him, he chose you. Let that sink. Before you called out his name, he had your name already called. Glory. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Israel, as I close this morning, note the contrast. Pastor Sean, would you come and just praise team if you would like to return. Israel was blessed with all material blessings. I want you to catch this. Israel was blessed with all material blessings in earthly places. The church is blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So what Israel experienced materially in earthly places in Abraham, the church experiences spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's ours for the taking. It's ours to experience Charged to enjoy. We're on a journey. But it's a good journey. It's in a fruitful and productive land. Israel had to wield the sword. But you know what? God made sure there was no doubt as to the outcome. J. Sidlow Baxter said again, he said this simply, conflict was inevitable, defeat was impossible. I want to make that clear this morning. There's great things ahead for you this coming year. But I can assure each and every one of you this morning, Conflict in 2024 is inevitable, but defeat is impossible.